Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Access Podcast, the podcast about podcasts. I'm Maddie Stout, and producer Z, you have put together a guest that I really enjoyed this week. Yeah, he was cool. I've been listening to him for a while, so it was nice to have him on the show. John Middlecoff is the host of Three and Out. It's one of the new podcasts on the brand new Herd Network. That's Colin Cowherd's new podcast network. And he was also somebody I used to listen to every day on the radio, so it was very exciting to talk to him. Let's check out a little bit of John Middlecoff right now. I will say this. The most talented player in this draft from a quarterback perspective, and I, I, you could argue just overall player, but let's just just talk quarterbacks. Is Josh Rosen for me, and, and I don't really think it's that close. Just pure talent. There's more to the quarterback than just ability, though. The mental capacity, personality. There, there's so much more. That, but just in a vacuum, Josh Rosen for me is the number one quarterback on my draft board. And I'm John Middlecoff. We don't know each other, but I know you because I used to listen to your show a lot locally on uh, on on a radio station that you did with uh, Haberman, which I want to talk about in a second, but. I don't know if you know this, but I feel personally responsible for your podcast since I was one of the people who tweeted you after your show went off the air and said, start a podcast. Um, <laughs> so so you're welcome is what I'm saying. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we just tried to expand. You know, you go from <laughs> terrestrial radio, which is uh, hanging on by a thread, and you, you always want to, uh, you know, adapt in life and things change. And, you know, I've enjoyed doing the podcast for the last couple of years. Well, I left radio uh, nine years ago. I did mornings in San Francisco to to get into podcasting and, and Stitcher, um, and and I I have always felt that for talk folks, why else why wouldn't you want to be in podcasting? Because we get to do everything that we did well and talk, but yet we get to say whatever we want. I, I know it's you know it's weird once you get into podcasting, and you kind of get the free fl- flow of doing whatever you want, and and the way. You know, I do two separate podcasts now, this one with Colin Coward, which is just me. And it, I, I've kind of taken that. I, I do a Periscope show on, on Twitter, and I've kind of just taken that a, a little more segmented to the Colin show. But to with Haberman, you know, we have we know what we're doing. So it's we can bang out topics and kind of set it up like a radio show, but have kind of adapted to the podcast medium. And it's uh, it's been great. And you go back and we filled in a little bit on, on radio, some of the local stations uh, can be are and it's kind of weird because it's very regimented you know you got to get out at certain times you're, you're not used to doing that once you get a little spoiled in, in the podcast world uh, as someone who's come back to radio and pod and done podcasting and radio it, it is tough it's a, it's a tough adjustment once you've had that freedom of podcasting to do uh, terrestrial radio again have you always been a radio connoisseur and fan uh, growing up? Did you have your favorite announcers that, that just, you know, that you were like, God damn, I want to do that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I remember being in sixth and seventh grade and having those uh, I, kids these days wouldn't even know what they are, but that, that yellow radio, you know, the Walkman. And, and, <laughs> oh, you and had listening. the yellow one. That was the waterproof one. You were fancy. Yeah, I had the yellow one. So that was probably, you know, mid nineties and listening to Jim Rome. And I used to, uh, I, I used to love Jim Rome in the mid to late '90s, and just he was so badass. He had so many big at, at the time. Baseball, you know, was kind of what the equivalent of kind of what the football is now. It was so big. Uh, every player, you know, two or three stars on each team throughout all of Major League Baseball, and he'd have them on all the time. He'd go to All Star games and have the sweetest interviews, and everyone was so good with him because he was one of the. 
at the time, probably in the late 90s, one of the only big-time national radio hosts, you know, especially that we got. And he was a West Coast guy. I mean, there, there were some on the East Coast, but that we could listen to. I, I was, I'm from Davis, right up the road here from the Bay Area. So, you know, I just remember thinking Jim Rome was the shit. Yeah, no, I, I love Jim Rome. I mean, I had the same kind of experience growing up on the East Coast with, with Stern. But um, I think that once you have, like— you get that bug; it's hard to get rid of it. Um, when you were when you were going coming up through high school and into college, um, was announcing uh, top of mind or you know sports? Uh, you know, obviously you've always been a sports guy, but you know when did that become more of something that you thought this is where I want to go with my career? Yeah, I mean it was always my life. I, I was playing, not not very good, but you know when you're in high school, you're playing sports. Haberman was actually, we went to high school together. He called our high school football games. So he was basically on a roadmap to becoming the next Bob Costas. You know, that's what he was going to be doing. For me, I I didn't quite know as maybe as clear, clearly at at that time that that was what I was going to be doing. But I I definitely knew once I got to college in Cal Poly that, you know, I kind of missed it. You're kind of screwing around the first couple of years working in business. You get an internship at Morgan Stanley. You're like, you know, I'm going to make make millions. And then the first day you get there, they have you know you wear a suit and tie to work, and they have you spackling the walls. You're like, God, what? This sucks. <laughs> what what am I doing? And uh, and then you kind of get back into it, and one thing led to another. And I, I've always been really opinionated. You know, I've always been. You know, my my dad's first reaction was always to tell me to shut up because I could never stop talking. So it comes pretty naturally. To me, I just ended up working kind of on the team side uh, and got into scouting it just, you know, a little bit by happenstance. I, I didn't necessarily know I was going to do that at the time. It just kind of one thing led to another and it just happened. I, I want to get into that in a second, but I want to touch on something you just said about um, being opinionated. And I hope you take this as a compliment. I'm from the East Coast. And when I listen to you, I think I, I you know, when I listen, I go, that sounds like a guy from the East Coast. Because I do feel that East Coast sports announcers tend to have that kind of ego uh, opinionated thing, and not 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 saying that you know you're this overblown ego, but you you have that really no, strong. But you know exactly what I'm saying, right? Yeah, and I, you know it just kind of comes naturally, and I, I think when you listen, like you said, I mean you grew up on the East Coast and here in Stern, you know, 25 years ago, you just were kind of you could only listen to what you had around you. Now with Sirius XM, you know I've ever probably in the last 10 years, you know, know who Howard Stern is and be able to listen to him on a daily basis or Chris Russo uh, living in Philly, hearing some of those type personalities. Like if you fake it, I think you can fake it for a minute just because you think that's the way to do it. But eventually you get exposed if that's not truly your personality, like Stephen A. Smith, for example. Yeah, I've met Stephen A. Smith. He acts like he does on television when you meet him in the hallway. Super nice guy, but I mean, that's, he's not faking it. And I think that's why it kind of resonates and works like me. When you hear me talk or you meet me at the gym or you see me at a restaurant or you watch me, you know, on social media or whatever, like that's, I'm who I am 24 seven, you know, I'm not you just, I, I think I always, whenever young people ask me for advice, how to get in, I just say, be true to yourself, you know, do what you want to do. Don't try to act or be like someone else. And it's, you could have a mentor or look up to people and aspire to do things. You know, like I, I'm working with Colin Coward now. It's pretty cool. I mean, I've been listening to his radio show for a long time. He's my favorite radio host by far. Like I grew up on Jim Rome, but now like to me, Jim doesn't do it for me anymore. Like I, I need a little smarter sports talk, 
you know, I, I, there's other aspects of life that I like and Colin, no one better in, in the business. I don't even think it's close. Uh, so you can aspire to be like someone, but you have to put your own twist on it. And ultimately that's kind of what I've tried to do. Well, I, you know, I teach uh, and coach a lot of podcasting. And, and the first thing I tell people is that this is the most honest medium that there is. You can't lie in audio over time. And any of us who have done talk radio, you know, we go in for four and a half hours. You can go in and pretend to be in a good mood, but the listeners are going to know you're in a bad mood within about 20 minutes because you just can't hold that up the whole time. And I think that that's why... Um, you know, that, that, that transition from talk to podcasting is so much easier than someone who is coming from a traditional, you know, maybe radio background as a disc jockey because it's a different skill set than what you have yeah. to do. For sure. Uh, 100%. I, I also think when you naturally, one thing that I've always kind of hung my hat on is when I got out of the NFL, I, I realized like, I don't really give a shit what people think of me. I'm not looking to get back in the NFL. So saying things that may be deemed controversial or God, you're taking a hard stance on a guy. I don't care. And if anything, like every day that goes by, I care less. So that, that also helps, you know, and cause you realize it doesn't really matter, you know, just tell what you believe and don't worry about ruffling feathers because I, I'm not, you know, necessarily looking to work with a guy again or trying to get back into the business. And I, I think that's hard for some people. You kind of sit on the fence if you know, you're afraid to, kind of make someone mad or, you know, you might be doing business with them in the future. Like I, I just, I just let it rip. I, I think that you just touched on something really important. And I think that happens all the time. And, and I can hear that when I hear an announcer pull away from a player or a celebrity or, or a topic knowing that, Oh, you know what? They just don't want to ruin that bridge. And guess, you know, you have to do that from time to time. You know, everybody has to. You know, you're talking about working in the NFL, working for the Eagles. So I want to I want to get this picture of. So go to college, business. Now, do you go back and you know, I know you have your master's in sports administration, correct? Yeah. Did you go back and get that before working with the Eagles, or was that how did what was the transition from that? When did you like make that transition from business into to sports and being a scout? Yeah, from Cal Poly, I actually went to work at Fresno State, uh, and I worked for the football program, and for a lot of coaches the way that coaches get started in the business, they usually start in college football and it's, it's a position called a graduate assistantship and you have one on offense and one on defense. And now with the explosion of college football, a lot of te- a lot of programs now have it in recruiting. And basically what it is, is it pays you like a player. They just gives you a full scholarship. So it pays you to go to school. You know, you get a scholarship check every week to basically pay for your rent and food. And you know, it's not much money. But and you work on the coaching staff. So I, I got to do that for two years. They paid for me to get my master's, uh, my sports administration master's at Fresno State. It was like a new program starting. So it kind of worked perfectly. But I, I really I didn't go there for school. I mean, I went there to get a Ph.D. in football and th- that just kind of happened. And then we had a bunch of pro prospects. So over the couple years I was there, every scout that came through, every general manager that came through, I and the guy I was technically working for, the recruiting coordinator, were in charge of setting those guys up, giving them information. So it was just it just kind of worked out perfectly. You were just constantly with these individuals, getting to know them, establishing relationships. And from their end, they need you because their job as a scout is basically like a detective just trying to accumulate information on these players. And, you know, I was an open book, as most, you know, young people are great resources for scouts. 
because they'll tell you anything because they're trying to, you know, they'll tell you the truth. They're not, they're not covering it up for any agenda. They're, they're just telling you, and they're usually pretty close with the players because, you know, I was 23, 24 years old. A lot of the players were a year or two under me. Uh, you're around them a lot. You just, you just have a pretty good idea of stuff that they're asking for. So it just kind of worked out perfectly. And then on top of that, you just, you go to school a small percentage of the time and you just try to pass your classes and, and move on. So you, you get the gig working for the Eagles as a scout. Uh, that's got to be thrilling. Um, but what, what do you, what was like the first like thing that hit you that was like, wow, this job is, is really cool, but this is really hard too. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember once training camp started, just the pace of everything and training camp in college football is hard too, but you're not getting rid of players. And when you first get a job in the NFL, usually the position, the lowest guy in the totem pole has is you're constantly taking people to airports because you're cutting players. Players are getting hurt and you're signing players. And in training camp, it is just constant. Uh, the turnover with the roster, the last 10 guys at the time, it was 80 you know, training camp roster was 80. It's now 90. Uh, so you just every day might be a new player and the the pace and the urgency of everything and the pressure, you know, and what's being asked of you, you know, you're not making, you're making 20, 30 grand yet. They're depending on you to print out lists for free agents to have things ready at the general manager and the head coach, whenever they may need it. It was just intense and just basic things like you don't want to screw up, you know, uh, getting a guy, you know, five minutes late from bringing him back to the airport just because he may have a 10 minute window of getting a physical and then being at practice. So it was just, it just comes at you full speed. You can't really be ready for it. You just, you just kind of hit the ground running and, you know, try to do your best. So uh, what's, uh, can you even share, like what, what was the, what's the biggest meltdown that you, you witnessed? In you don't have to say the what? player name, but as far as someone getting cut. You know, I I think most players, I I never had any issues, and I was the guy being the Turk kind of picking up their playbook. Most guys, you know, the guys, if you're a veteran player, you go see the head coach. Like if you're a guy that's been there a certain amount of years and you've earned the respect, you, you deal directly with the head coach. But the majority of guys that are getting cut are like undrafted free agents and second-year practice squad guys that they know going in. It's not – it's not your typical job environment where you sign a contract or you get hired. You know, for the most part, you have a certain amount of time to prove your worth. You're going to be there for a while. In football, like the urgency level of making the team for a large percentage of the players is high. So they know that that given day, a lot of it, it may be disappointment, but it's not that they're not freaking out thinking they got screwed because they kind of know the deal when they get into it. Now you see tears and you, you kind of see maybe just the shock of getting, uh, you know, cut. But usually it's just pretty quiet. You know, I've driven a lot of guys who have been cut to the airport. But I never, in my experience, ever had, like, anger or anything like that. It's more just the first couple times you do it, it's pretty surreal. And then, like anything in life, as like my, by my second year doing stuff like that, you just – I don't want to say cold-blooded, but you just don't give a shit. You're like, let's get in the car, let's go. Come on, man. I, I got other stuff to do. Listen, <laughs> and I it's just it's a it's a business. You know, it's just it's the way you look at it. I know when um, you know, people find out what I do, they immediately want me to listen to their podcasts. They want me to give them advice. They want me this, this, and this, and and you know, and at a certain point when you do something for a living, you have to go. Ah, I can't do that. Um, 
how about when people find out you're an NFL scout, how many <laughs> people come out of the woodwork who want you to check out a player or, uh, hey, I got this cousin, things like that? It used to happen a lot, you know, and and at first, you, like you said, whenever you first start doing something, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll check it out. Then by, you know, six months in, you just stop even returning emails, let alone looking into it because you realize – the margin for guys making it at this level is just slim to none. And the most of these guys giving you flyers, I always personally hated even wasting too much time on like seventh and undrafted free agents. Like you should focus on the top end guys because that's ultimately how you win. And you know, in, in, in fairness, every, every dad that has a son playing college football thinks this kid has a chance. And you know, sometimes you've got to tell him, no man, you, you don't, <laughs> you ain't playing in the NFL start. Start your you start your career, you know. Start yeah. do whatever you're doing. Get your internship. Get get it rolling because that this, you know, I think the the stat is like, 1.5 percent of college football players make in the NFL. Yeah, and you have to be so damn good to play Division one college football. And obviously, some Division two guys make it, but the majority of guys in the NFL are Division one college football players. And the percentage of them that make it from their sport, you know, from college football, is just so slim. It's just it's the highest level you know, uh, of the profession and really of basically any profession, because it's not many, you know, sales jobs or e even what we're doing, what most people do, a guy can get an entry level job and break in in football as a player. It's basically impossible. Yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, I, I go through this a lot. I teach at a university and uh, it's here in the San Francisco and, you know, it's a, you know, division two school and nobody's going pro, but. You know, try telling that to the athletes who are screwing off in class, you know, because they, they all think they're going to, especially baseball, because they, they've heard they've had two friends who maybe got a, a triple, I mean, a single A contract for a year. And then, you know, now they're out of work, but still don't get it like that. You then have to get a real job after that. Yeah, I mean, real life comes at you fast. And I, I think a lot of guys, you're just naturally kind of immature, you know, in, in your early 20s, but it, it's going to hit you and it's going to hit you hard. And then you just you, you have to adapt. And that's, you know, what I love about football is a lot of guys are just because of the nature of the sport, how hard your coach. So even if you do, quote unquote, not make it to the pros, I, I don't I wouldn't even consider that just because some guys make it. Most guys never even had the opportunity to make it. They are kind of equipped just with the nature of the sport, how demanding it is. How, you know, it's it's the of the three major sports, it makes you use your brain the most because you're learning plays. A lot of it is in meeting rooms in the classroom. It's it is a very cerebral sport. Like in baseball, it's just kind of see ball, hit ball. You know, I mean it's not it doesn't take a genius to do it, but to play, you know, to play like in the New England Patriot offense not just quarterback, but if you want to play receiver for Tom Brady, you have to be really smart. If you're not, you will not get on the field. No, I do. Uh, I went to West Virginia University, and I do a podcast with Pat White and Steve Slayton every week. Oh, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, it, you should check. It's fun. I, I'm, they're really two really good friends of mine now, and um, and 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 I always, you know, I, I talk to a lot of, uh, especially former WVU athletes about 
getting into podcasting and that. And and I'm just always kind of wonder why, you know, I, I feel like this is, you know, so many so many students and athletes tell me they want to be broadcasters, but they don't do shit about it. They don't do anything about it. And, they, you know, and you ask them who their favorite announcer is and they don't have an answer. It's just they just want to go do it, but they don't want to put the work into it. And then the thing with Steve and, and Pat was, you know, you know, I was like, well, let's start a podcast and that way you can work out some stuff. Uh, do you see a place where maybe we might hear more ex-athletes getting into the podcasting world instead of uh, radio? Uh, I, I could see it. The, the one thing, the radio medium for a lot of these guys in their local markets, like if, let's say, use Pat White as an example, if he had the opportunity to do a radio gig in Morgantown, you know, probably it's consistent money uh, and, and the money is just kind of set. Where in podcasting, you usually have to hustle a little more then go get your advertising. It is a little easier if you can get it. Now, I also think just because you are a former athlete doesn't mean necessarily you're going to be any good. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many podcasts <laughs> are out there that are terrible? Uh, most of them. <laughs> yeah. So 80%. I, just, that, that's why everyone's starting a podcast. Well, what, what does that even mean? You know, yeah. most of them are terrible. But the to me, I, I, I'm a big believer is the cream always rises. So there are certain athletes that are really good broadcasters for a reason. They probably work hard at it. They have a natural personality. They're, you know, well-spoken. They are outspoken. Uh, they're not afraid to kind of ruffle some feathers, and, and those guys will always be good. Just like in podcasts, you see the cream kind of rise. The other ones don't really get noticed. Now, also, I'm sure there are also a lot of good podcasts that haven't been noticed yet. You know, yeah, it's just, it w but ultimately they will be. Uh, it's just, it's the nature of how things work in this country. By the way, speaking of cream rising to the top, your thoughts on West Virginia winning the Big Twelve this year? Uh, <laughs> in, in football, this upcoming year, yeah. I mean, is, is your coach going to last through the season? Come on. Uh, Will you know, Greer's just, back. I, Come on. It's going to be great. Just yeah, say I yes. Mean, I, just I say yes, say John. That, that Oklahoma, you know, they're losing one of the best players they've ever had in Baker yeah. Mayfield. Now they are clearly are stacked every year, but it, that's a pretty big transition for them. So you'd have to think it's, it's somewhat open. Uh, Texas Tech has been kind of average. Texas feels still like two years away from being a year away even though they're on their third coach since Mac Brown. Uh, there is a lot of pressure on West Virginia, right? I mean, you know better than me. It feels like Dana kind of held on a little bit this year. Uh, uh, you know, have they? has he left a little to be desired? I, you know, it's, it is kind of a tough place to win just relative to their conference now. But I, I think, yeah, they could win nine, ten games. Thank you. That's all I wanted to hear. The, the, the other thing is, <laughs> and by the way, say, would you would you say West Virginia is a football school or a basketball school? Oh, I mean, we are a football school. We've always football been a football school. school, but I mean, that's basketball not true football. anymore. I mean, I mean, from the time that Beeline was there until now, I mean, we've been a consistent top 25 basketball program, sweet 16, three out of the last four years. I mean, it's. It's not a it, it I mean yeah I think you know I think that I think we are probably a bigger basketball school at this point but we'll always feel like a football school. I, and, and I think if I was a West Virginia fan my my issue would be and obviously Huggies big time. But it's like our basketball team as an outside observer I watch Huggies team play. It's like these guys are just badass. They, they throw haymakers, they're tough. And then I watch the football team play and it's like god they're kind of soft. So it's how's that now? Granted, Bob Huggins, if you had to pick all the Division One uh, college basketball coaches, who would be your number one choice to just transition to become a football coach? He would easily be the number one guy. Yeah, because I mean, he dresses literally like a football coach, and his teams, you know, full court press. But it's just 
it's it's hard when you're at a football school and then the basketball coach now isn't didn't Huggins Huggins go to school there? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's so a graduate. It's, it's a little it's a little unique, but I mean the basketball coach clearly is overshadowing the football coach, and that usually leads to a guy getting fired. Well, he and he's just not been. And I'll tell you, you know where a lot of this started with Dana, why people don't love him from his how he dresses. He wouldn't wear the blue and gold. He he will always insist on wearing black, and I and I know that sounds like a little thing on, on game day. On game day, and when and when that when that first <laughs> came, you know that happened, a lot of West Virginia fans had an issue with it, and his attitude towards it was too bad. Instead of maybe, okay, See, things, things like that in college matter. It does matter. It does matter. In the in the pros, it doesn't mean shit. <laughs> as long as you get it done, no one no one even really thinks like that in yeah. college because the alumni has been a, so closely associated. And they go to all these dinners. When you do arrogant stuff like that, and then you don't quite get it done, it flips on you fast. It is, it is, and I think that was. I mean, and there's a lot and, of us. And then you got this, like you said, alumni coaching your your basketball team that feels like God, it's one of ours. What yeah. the hell's this guy doing? Uh, exactly, and I mean, and Huggins is he can do no wrong in Morgantown, and Holgerson can't, and you know. I mean, he Would you could, say he has a lifetime contract, Bob Huggins? Oh, he absolutely does. But the way he is, I don't see him. I see him having another massive heart attack within the next five years, and it's not a joke. That's that's some, a real concern Bob, that Bob I, Huggins. yeah, I and a lot of other folks that are close to you know West Virginia sports worry about. How much do you think he weighs? Three twenty. He's oh, he's got to be over three bills, and because he, he's he's tall, right? He's like six four. He's tall, and uh, yeah, and just has he's had two major heart attacks, and has zero concern for what he puts into his body, zero. Yeah. And clearly, he's a grinder, right? I mean, he's in his office breaking yeah. down film, eating cheeseburgers and whatever doesn't even worry about it i don't want to get into the weeds on west virginia sports but on our podcast this week we talked about why hasn't he won a national championship and my thing is that um you know i work with a lot of millennials this is what i do i teach you know and my all my staff are millennials and that hard knock approach works to a certain extent but you still have to have a little bit of give with these kids because uh, that's just unfortunately they're they that's their generation, and he doesn't do that. And it's just his his insistence on if somebody does one thing wrong, pulls him off the court and yells at him, and, see, and you, I, you see him break down I, at the I end I of the game. I would love you to push back on that, back on that. because I, I'm a millennial too. Now the older I'm 33, so I'm right at the beginning of the millennials. Yeah, you're I, barely I think, a millennial. I, I do think at the core, most humans, especially the highest level competitive humans, whether you're working in finance, whether you're playing on a high level basketball team, whether you're trying to have the number one podcast, when you work with or technically for, like if he's your coach or your boss, a high level guy that you really respect, you can push them to the limits. So to me, Bob Huggins, like I, even though these kids are 20, 21 and they're millennials playing on their phone, deep down to their core, like any competitor worth their salt kind of likes being motherfucked and pushed a little bit. You know, I, 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 I don't necessarily think because that gets thrown around a lot with with millennials that they can't handle it. I, I disagree. I, I think just humans, the highest level competitive humans don't really mind. it. I, I know it's. And I don't disagree with you, John. I, I, I absolutely believe it. And I think I get the most out of my people because I do push them and I'm the first voice of reason to say, hey, you're not as good as you think you are. But I do think at the end of the day, I need to give them a little pat on the ass once in a while and say, good job. You know, I mean, and that's and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Not to go on a college basketball tangent here, but I think when you look at like <laughs> Coach Calipari or or Coach K, like those guys are hard asses too. you know, Bill Self. I mean, those guys are screaming at people. And I, I think 
a lot of times athletes, and this is where Twitter always freaks out when a dude gets berated on the side. Like, guy, they're used to it. You know, they're just it's not it's not a normal work environment. Like you couldn't you wouldn't berate a student in a class like a coach would berate a guy on a court or on on the field. Oh, you've never been in my classes. Yeah, well, (laughs) maybe I got to come check it out. I got to get an invite. What do you mean you didn't finish your podcast on Tuesday? Bush League. (laughs) Exactly. Um. Yeah, but here, but you understand. It's my hot take. You know, I got to have something to end basketball season to to, to get the to get the get the people talking. So that was my hot take. No, I, another I, I, person on the show's hot take merit. is that he drinks too much, and uh, and that's that was another one that we we bantered about. But I haven't gotten the feedback on that yet. I don't think that, that we're going to get a lot of happiness from the university with that mention. But hey, uh, did Huggy did Huggy drinks too much? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sure doesn't look like he's you know <laughs> drinking G twos. Uh, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> hey, one thing I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, you know, the NFL. What do people get wrong about the NFL? And do you feel that the NFL is 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 going towards the less popular side or is it still as popular as ever? I, I don't know if it's quote unquote as popular as ever, maybe as it was like two or three years ago. But I think relative to the other sports. Uh, it's so much more popular than the other two sports. I mean, the a LeBron game on like Friday will get a little over a million people watching it. Those Thursday night football games that Twitter will tell you are terrible get like 13 million people watching it. This, the second biggest sport in America is Tiger Woods. It's not basketball or baseball. The NFL, and really college football too, football just in general, is on a pedestal by itself. So even when it has a rough year like it has this last year in ratings-wise – I personally think there's more to it. I mean, people are streaming. The the game's changed a little bit. But it, it's so far ahead just in terms of the viewership and interest when you factor in gambling, when you factor in fantasy football. There's also an element of urgency with the sport, like baseball, opening day is tomorrow. Well, there's 162 games. So I can't even pretend that the game, you know, whatever the date will be, March 29th, it, it begins to matter. There's six more months of games. We're in football, and you see this in college football, definitely. Every game means so much in a society where, you know, urgency is such a big deal. It's always going to have that, just the way the sport is set up. And you see it in basketball. Like, the regular season means nothing. Definitely in college basketball, right? Just, like, get to the tournament and then see what happens. There's an urgency level that fans, that the sport brings to fans that, to me, will never go away. And now they have to adapt with streaming and engaging all that BS. But to me, the popularity of the sport, even with some of the issues they're dealing with, with concussions and the violence, which I also think is a little BS. I think humans yearn for violence. It's why we it's why I didn't even hesitate to spend ninety nine dollars when Floyd fought, you know, Connor, even though that fight was pretty bad. But, you know, the the big hits, pe- people love it. You know, I, yeah, I, people, people love, love it. it. They love car crashes. They love fights. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's, it's why a, it's why when you're in high school and someone's getting a fight, every kid runs and circles them. You know, it's just star! it's a natural human reaction. That's why World Star so popular. Exactly. <laughs> hey, I didn't even get a chance uh, to talk about you and, and Haberman because I, I love the concept of of two friends doing a radio show, and I thought it was very unique. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe you guys can swing by sometime in San Francisco and get in the studio and we can talk about that podcast. But but real quickly, just, just kind of touch on that and how that happened. Um, and for folks that don't know about, about the radio show that, y- you know, that you did here in San Francisco. 
yeah, I mean, Guy was an up-and-coming star. I mean, still is. Doing stuff at Pac-12 Network now. And uh, he was working in radio. I had just gotten fired from the NFL. And, you know, kind of I was looking to kind of get into the media. And I, I came in and just did a couple hits on his station. Uh, and the program director at the time heard my stuff, liked it kind of wanted me to get more involved and do more stuff. And, you know, one thing led to another. And then probably six months later, he had the idea, why don't you two guys do a show? Uh, and then we started doing a show and we did that for about three and a half years. And, you know, it was, it was a blast. It was, it was fun. Yeah. You know, it was fun to listen to as well. I really, uh, I, I was, uh, I was a listener, a bit, uh, daily listener. Thank you for thank you for making my life a little better for those for those few no, years. I, you know, and and you know, in, in the business, when management changes and just, you know, you're working for people that you just you're like, what am I doing? This is, I mean, my dog could run this station better. Um, and that, you just know things aren't going to work out, and it, it was sad because we we had a good thing going, and, and luckily. You know, it's 2018 and not 1997, so we were able to just keep it going and make money in a different in a different form. Listen, I, I like to finish off with uh, three killer questions. Three questions for you, John Middlecoff. The first one being, if you could listen to any athlete, living or dead, do a podcast, who would you want to listen to? That's a good one. Uh, living or dead. It's a great question. I know. Thank you. Like, and he'd be fully honest. Oh yeah, absolutely. A podcast, honest. You know, Mike's on. It could be. A, it could even be a couple. Uh, I mean, Mickey Mantle would have to be a absolutely. Good one. I mean, just give Mickey about a six pack and just say, "Let it rip, Mick." I, I think Mickey'd be right up there. And you know, if he was gonna truly be honest and tell me all the goods, Pete Rose wouldn't be a bad one either. Oh, that'd be good. Uh. You know, it just it feels like to get Montana. I've heard, I've heard some fantastic Montana stories. As Randy Cross, I think once famously said, "You you never went into a bar and didn't look much better standing next to Joe." <laughs> uh, that I I don't it just Joe's personality. Yeah. How open would he be? But I think some of those baseball players in like the fifties and the sixties. Yeah. Would be pretty damn good. No, I think and, makes- and Michael Jordan would be fantastic, but. Like Michael and Joe, they, they, I don't even think they would say anything. No, there's no amount of money you could get to get them to be candid. No, Mickey Mantle. That's a that's a really good one. Uh, what's the dumbest thing you've ever done for sports? Uh, you mean in terms of just dumbest thing in general? It's uh, a good question. I know uh, I'm very good, John. <laughs> I don't know. That's 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 a good one. I, you know, I once when I was working in Philly, I once filled up the general manager's car with gas because he needed get he didn't have time to go to the gas station. So you just have to do stupid shit like that. (laughs) Oh, but you never had to go get the bat straightener. Uh, You ever hear that story about the sending the bat boy around to get the bat straightener? No, I I didn't. Oh, it's a I'll send it to you. It's a it's on a podcast. Very good story. Uh, Anyway, how about the last podcast that you binged? Uh... That's a good one. I, I was actually this morning before we hopped on listening to uh, Bill Simmons and Kevin Durant. He just had Kevin Durant on. Yeah. And, and Durant. So I'll probably hit that back up a little later today. Yeah. I love I, Bill. I, I like Bill Simmons. He usually has good guests on. Yeah. he. he I like uh, Bill. He, he has that kind of interview style that I like, which is kind of relaxed and conversational. And, you know, it, it, you don't know where it's going to go. He's. I, I'm a big fan of his. I have been see, for a see, long time. And like – 
I listen to Bill. Like, Bill is not – I don't look at him like a radio host. Like, for me, no. you're listening to me for my opinion. Like, you listen to Bill because he's getting guests on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you, whenever he has a big guest on, I listen to his show. John Middlecoff, I, it's been a real pleasure. I enjoy talking to you, and uh, hopefully we'll get you in studio and uh, do this again. Definitely. Thanks, man. Thanks, John. That was fun, Z. That was. It was a good interview. I always like talking to uh, folks that I've listened to on the radio. It's, 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 yeah, I'm still like a nerd. Right. And I feel like you're also uh, such a big sports fan that it was such an easy conversation for you I to I do have. need to apologize for all the West Virginia University talk, everybody. I should have put that at the top of the <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, it's a disclaimer It's a disclaimer. Yeah. Anytime I talk sports, it's going to turn into a WVU conversation. That is just, unfortunately... That's what you get when you when you listen to to a podcast of mine. If you don't like it, that's like half your brain. It is half my brain. <laughs> yeah. Now I have to football season because oh, basketball uh, season's over. Womp womp. If you want to follow John on Twitter, it's at John Middlecoff. It's M I D D L E K A U F F. He does a Twitter uh, little Periscope thing every day. If you want to watch that, and also you can listen to him uh, with his uh, former partner or his current partner, but his former radio partner, Guy Haberman. Which I think is a funny name. Yeah. Guy Haberman. It's fun to say. It's fun to say. Guy Haberman (laughs) and John Middlecoff. Uh, They have uh, Haberman and Middlecoff uh, podcast you can check out too. But there are more podcasts out there that we want to talk about. I'm anxious to see what you picked out this week, Z, for us to check out. All right. So my first one is called Now What? with Arian Foster. And Arian Foster is a former NFL running back and he is now turned podcaster. And it's cool because um, it's not just a podcast about sports, but it's also about things that he's interested in, that he brings in experts. So he loves space. So he brought in um, an astronaut onto his show. He he brought Snoop Dogg onto his show because Snoop Dogg has that football league. He's a coach now. So it's really interesting. It's cool to see him outside of the football realm. Let's check it out. You know, Pac was my friend before he got on Death Row Records. I met him at the Poetic Justice rap party. And when I met him, we was... Like, sort of kind of like battle rapping against each other. The oh, first time I meet this Man, if you look at all the old clips, they all the, all the goats went at each other, man. It was just like that. I've been a big fan of his because he is so smart, and he has he has a lot of cool things to say. And, you know, I was talking to John about more ex-athletes doing podcasting, and I think that's an example of somebody who who can do it and yeah. do it well. Especially because it's not just about sports. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that when you do a podcast that is um, – has several different things that you talk about. It's it, You have to have the right host. Right. And he is the right host for that. So uh, good choice. Thank you. So second one. This is one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. It's the Steve Austin show. Ah, everybody loves loves Stone Cold Steve yes. Austin. It's, I mean, if you when I moved to America from Sri Lanka, this is one of the first things my brother and I were ever introduced to was the WWE. Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> that was your introduction to United States culture? <laughs> Yeah, and we loved it so much. Oh, my like, gosh. the Kane and Undertaker and all of that. I was just like, we were ready. Did you walk around saying their their catchphrases? Yeah, all the time. We would wait for the What's your Buried favorite? Alive yeah. like, episodes or whatever. I didn't. Th- I honestly didn't figure out it was fake till really later on in life. Your eyes tell me that you still don't think it's fake. <laughs> I just don't want to believe it. <laughs> wow. What's your favorite uh, catchphrase from a wrestler? And do it for me. I for I keep wanting to say it was the Booker T one, but then I can't remember. I always say Rock's one. Can you smell what the Rock is cooking? No, no. So you got to say it but, right. No, I can't. Do Come on, it. do it. 
I can. You don't. Can you smell <laughs> what the rock is cooking? There you go. You guys, come on, do it. No. Oh. Well, I just like also like Ray Mysterio's walk up song, <laughs> and then his move in between the ropes. I can't believe we're talking. Oh, I talked about West Virginia University for yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah, so let's go. Yeah, all right. Stone Cold Steve Stone Austin. Cold, and, yeah. And a really cool dude. I, I got to meet him oh, uh, a number of years back when he, he his book came out. And he actually came to a charity. Like, we had him on the show. And then he came and showed up at a charity event that, that uh, next morning. You know, just asked him yeah. to. And he just showed up. Great guy. Ah, oh, cool. Yeah, I would love to meet him. Especially, like, listening to his podcast. What surprised me a lot was... So the description is whatever pops into his brain, and they really mean it. Like, it's uh, it's obviously about wrestling, but he's so knowledgeable about a lot of other things that he just talks, and it's unfiltered, and he's completely the person that you would think he is outside of wrestling, you well, know? Let's check it out. The legit boss, yeah, Sasha Banks, and is. Sasha Banks has a ring to it. How did you come up with that name? <laughs> Very random. Um, I think it was, like, my first month in FCW, and... Uh, Rob Naylor at the time, he said, we need a list of names, and I gave him a list, and Sasha was a different last name, and I don't remember, and Banks was a different first name, and then a week later, like, you're Sasha Banks, and I was like, hey, I like that. A little caveat to that. If you're a new podcaster, and you don't have a large following of people who are already fans of yours, this is not a good format. Mm. This format is great when you're, you've already got when people- When you're Stone Cold Steve yeah, Austin. Yeah, but if you're you know, Jim Smith, who has 200 people following you on Twitter- and you want to do a podcast about anything that pops into your head, it's not going to work. Not the game plan you want to go with. Not the game plan. Right. Little, little free consulting there from <laughs> Maddie Media. Boom. <laughs> All right. What else you got? So the last one is a shout out to Colin Cowherd. So it's his podcast, The Herd. And it's all about sport, different sports, not just one sport. And it's a different take. It's not just factual. It's his opinion. He also has like that old sportscaster voice. That I really like. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I do know what you're talking yeah, about. So it's cool. Yeah, I like it a lot. Let's check it out. Offensive guys are about skill and choreography and unity playing together. They huddle up. They call a play. On three. They audible together, choreographed. One guy doesn't get it. Penalty blows it up. Defensive guys are about blowing stuff up. They're aggressive. They're intimidating. You know what a safety is? It's a wide receiver that can't catch. You know what a linebacker is? A running back with no moves or speed. I want my offensive guys to be choreographed and unified. Great listeners. You know what I want my defensive guys to be? Little wacko. And I'm totally okay with it. Yeah, voices like that always like scared me because I never had a voice like that and 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 it, it's it is you don't hear it all the time yeah anymore. you don't you definitely so, don't yeah Colin Collins uh he's he's a legend in the business so it's cool that he's part of uh we get to have some of the folks on from his new podcast network including John Middlecoff who was a great guest today so I want to thank John Middlecoff for coming on the show today and again follow him on Twitter at John Middlecoff uh you can follow me on Twitter Instagram uh, and Facebook and see lots of pictures of me at West Virginia University basketball games and actually me with the some of the players from the Sweet 16 at Maddie Stout, M-A-T-T-Y-S-T-A-U-D-T. Other than that, lots of pictures of my dogs. 
Um, I also want to do a shout out to the podcast The Cooler on KQED. It's an NPR podcast. They actually took our show from uh, a few weeks ago that we did with them and put it on their podcast feed. So great little sharing going on there. Uh, those I, I love those guys. They're like my new favorite friends online. I talk to them all the time. So uh, go, go check them out again if you haven't done that already. Um, and also, again, uh, if you like John Middlecoff, check out Haberman and Middlecoff, his other uh, podcast. Z, you're a fantastic producer. Thank you. I appreciate it. I want to also announce that uh, we're going to be changing the format of the show just a bit. We'll be uh, publishing every two weeks now instead of every week. Now, that's not saying we might not stick one in here and there every uh, week, but uh, we want to just try to be uh, – I'll be completely transparent. I'm slammed. And it's hard to uh, get one of these done every week because uh, a little more work goes into it than you think. So we're going to do it every two weeks. So uh, if you're a, a, one of our thousands and thousands of hundreds, maybe tens of fans, uh, I hope you understand. Thanks for tuning in. I want to thank our engineers, Horace and David, and, of course, uh, Casey, who does the music. I want to do a shout-out to Ricardo AR, who works uh, here at High Heart Radio and, and does lots of all the little promo things you see on social media. Uh, he does. A goodbye and a fond farewell to our engineer, Anna. Shout-out to Anna. She's going back to Drexel University and just revolutionized all the streaming stuff that you see on all the iHeart stations uh, here in San Francisco, she built the unit that did that. So um, really cool stuff. She's she's on a bigger and better thing. Not that better, but she's on the big things. And I want to especially uh, thank Katie Wilcox here at iHeartRadio in San Francisco, Don Parker, and the podfather, Chris Peterson of iHeartRadio. Thanks, everybody, for listening. 